Everyone, welcome to another edition of Founder Wisdom Podcast, author edition. Today we have Jason Montoya with us. He's a content marketing consultant and uh, the author of various books, one of them being uh, The Jump from Chaos to uh, Clarity for Your Striving Small Business, which is an interesting title. Uh, Jason, tell us a bit more about yourself and about what you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Charles, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, my name is Jason Montoya, originally from Arizona and now live in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Moved here in about uh, in 2005. Uh, we, I made a jump. Me and my wife uh, got married, went on our honeymoon. And then the day we got back from Hawaii, we packed up everything and moved from Arizona to Atlanta. <laughs> hmm. So we made quite a jump. Um, it was a very uh, drastic journey, leaving everything we had knew, knew um, to uh, to start a new life and explore our ambitions and ideas and stories and projects and companies, and, um, and learned a lot in the process, uh, which was a very difficult process, but learned a lot. Um, ended up having a marketing agency for about seven years, from 2007 to 2014, ended up shutting that down, and there's a whole story in there, and that's part of what the jump is about, is the lessons I learned from that journey and why I made that decision to shut it down and what that decision um, means for you and your business. And um, before that, so that was published in 2019, a couple of years before that, I published a book called Path to the Freelancer. After I made uh, the shutdown of the company, I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I ended up deciding, uh, ended up having people um, say, hey, could I contract you to do this or that? And before I knew it, within a month of shutting down the company, I had uh, um, over a half a dozen projects on my plate and I was a freelancer. And uh, that continued for about eight, nine months. And I realized, okay, this is really working. Um, I've sort of taken the idea, the business model uh, that I had in my company and I've applied it to my freelance business and I was able to be successful at it. And that ended up garnering attention of other freelancers, which they then asked me, hey, how are you doing this? And I would tell them. And eventually that led to me writing a book where I put it all down and, and now I can hand them a book instead of just telling them. So that's uh, that's how the short version of those two stories. And I've been a consultant since 2014 um, and uh, working with with um, business leaders and, and founders to help them grow themselves and their businesses, because usually the growth of their company is uh, int intimately tied to the, the maturity and character and experience of the founder itself. So 100%. Yeah, I read your story. Uh, unfortunately, I, I missed our, our last meeting for the podcast, but that gave me the time to even uh, dive deeper. There's a lot uh, to dive in on your website, a yeah. bunch of interesting topics, a bunch of uh, cool blog posts. You're a great communicator, have an interesting oh, story. And yeah, lots to deploy in the, the last bits of information you share. Why was it so hard? And tell us a bit more about Noodlehead, uh, which is an interesting name. And tell us about um, the struggle in that story, because I, I read it all. Um, I, I can relate to many uh, points in there, you know, like when uh, we are the, the masters of our own destinies and have our own agency, uh, the, the pressure can be felt. Uh, sometimes we all have demons as well in us yeah. from the past. Uh, these are hard to uh, get over with. It's a constant fight, you know, and that that is life. Tell us a bit more about your story. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I when I moved to Atlanta, um, uh, I was also going to college. I was newly married um, in a new location, and I had ambitions to to actually make a uh, make movies was one of the things I wanted to do, and um, and but ended up I ended up actually launching this political news website. Um, that's how I learned some online marketing stuff. 
Um, I had a background in video production. My uncle owned an animation studio. So when I was growing up in Arizona, I'd go over there after, after school, during high school years and say, and I sat myself down and taught myself how to do 3D animation and um, worked on projects for him for the Discovery Channel and PBS and whatnot. And um, so when I moved here um, and I kind of learned the marketing stuff, um, the political news site stuff didn't really go anywhere, didn't make any money. And I had to figure out something that was going to be financially sustainable. And I, so I had these abilities, these uh, video production and marketing abilities. And, my, um, and I had this Noodlehead idea was to make movies. So we launched a company. It was first called Noodlehead Studios because it was, the idea was, was going to be primarily about creating, um, doing animation, video production, that kind of thing. And that was one of the, some of the first projects that I did. But then I ended up having clients say, hey, could you build us a website? And so then we kind of turned into a marketing agency. And what happened real um, in summary was uh, we started to, to uh, fulfill, we became a company that was defined by what our clients wanted. Okay. And so they wanted a website, they wanted SEO, they wanted email marketing, they, yeah. they wanted this and that. And we said, sure. And so we added that to our offering. And all of a sudden we kind of became this bloated organization that just um, did what was requested of us, but we weren't, we were lacking in intentionality. And at the same time, I didn't know what I was doing in a lot of ways. I was learning this stuff um, and struggling. So there was a lot of chaos in the business and how I operated and how I led and how I communicated. And, and I was newly married. And so there was chaos in, in, my, in my relationship. Mm -hmm. And we were working together and that created conflict. And so there was marital conflict. There was business conflict, um, you know, trying to make enough sales to to bring into the business, to make payroll, make an, um, trying to make sure projects get done so clients are happy. You know, it just feels like I'm juggling way too many things that I can't uh, handle. It was beyond my capacity. So I hit a point where I had to kind of, um, through, through the generosity and, and, and caring of other people, as well as um, just kind of reflecting on what was going on and how to improve and just the sheer uh, terror of, of the experience, uh, eventually re I came to a point where I was like, okay, what is going, what is my life supposed to be about? Where do, what is my aim? What is my vision, my purpose? And really spending probably about a year to kind of work through that and some of my own deficiencies and issues, mm -hmm. getting clarity on that. And then once I did that, then it was about getting that same clarity for the business. Okay. So this is the t if I were to essentially uh, boil it down to a simple question about three years into the business, I asked the question, if I were to start a marketing company over from like to start a brand new marketing company based on the last several years, what I learned, what would I, what would that look like? And so I created a picture of what that would look like. And we, as a team, you know, committed to that. And then we moved towards that. So the next several um, years, we moved towards that process, uh, towards that vision, restructured the company, our offering, um, how we solve problems, what we do, what we don't do, how we charge, all those kind of things. The some of the team came on board, came along with that. Some left, some new people came on board. And so that was, um, we became an intentional company helping other companies become intentional. And particularly with their marketing, we wanted to obliterate marketing neglect and help them become um, both accountable and, and excellent in their, in their marketing. And, um, and we became successful at doing that, good team, making money, kind of figured out a lot of things. And then in 2014, um, the short version of that story, the reason that I shut it down was I, I really kind of started asking myself, 
Well, I before I asked the question, if I were to start the marketing company over again, what would it look like? But this time I was asking, if I were to just start over vocationally, um, would I start a marketing agency to begin with? And I realized my answer was not yes. Um, and in a lot of ways, I'd sort of been pushed into the company and just to launching it and as a reaction versus a proactive effort. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And that kind of gets back to the, the movie making and, and ideas and storytelling and things like that. And so I realized, you know, to do it well, to do it with excellence and accountability um, requires to be fully committed to the company. And I couldn't fully commit to this marketing company. So I ended up shutting it down. And back to the name that you mentioned, you know, Noodlehead, it was kind of a nickname that I had growing up. I have curly hair. Um, and it was just this fun spirit. And in a lot of ways, the marketing, uh, you know, it's a little over seven years, I guess, this marketing um, journey and this marketing agency um, that started with me and my wife and had, I think, 12 or 13 people at one point. Um, we, uh, it was really uh, kind of a cocoon for me, like to learn and to grow and to suffer and to, and to face uh, conflict and trials. But, but eventually it was to come out of that cocoon and mm -hmm. that was shutting it, that meant shutting it down. Um, but I was able to take the things, the lessons learned. I was, I grew as a person and that was something I was able to apply when I shifted to freelancing and consulting after that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, so much to uncover here. Uh, you and I share a lot. Um, we both jumped into entrepreneurship pretty much at the same time as we committed to a partner um, in the sacred union, as I call. Yeah. <laughs> Did you Do you feel that you jumped in there too early or that you shouldn't have mixed relationship with uh, business? Because I tried mixing uh, business with relationship with my wife. It didn't work out uh, many times. Uh, to this day, we work together a little bit together, um, but we try to not separate these things because I talk to her about business all the time. That's pretty much my passion, just like her is yeah. like, TikTok and photography and, and all of these things. But was it like, because this is, these are huge leaps, you know, one, starting something entrepreneurial, two, committing to someone. Do you feel that you've taken too many big jumps at the same time? and that you were close to burning out? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a hard thing to answer because um, it, it, it's, it's a there's, a there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I'll, I'll use an analogy here. When I used to play, um, I'm a computer gamer, so I like playing games on the computer. And um, when I was growing up, one of the things I used to do is I would play these, I would go to the, when I started the game, I would play it on the most difficult, a setting as possible okay. so as hard as it could and it would i would get brutally like destroyed in the game right but i learned really quickly right and so mm -hmm. i had to in order to overcome that challenge i had to get really good really fast and so then i would be able to do those those uh those levels and stuff in sure. and so in a similar way that's kind of how it was with life um it was very intense. Like you mentioned all the things we did, what most people do in a lifetime, we did in a weekend, you know, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. uh, moving across the country, getting married, uh, going to college, starting a business, you know, all these things. Yeah. And so it was very, very difficult. And if I were to do it again, I would probably pace it differently. Um, I think uh, one of the couple of the challenges from a marital, marital standpoint was me and my wife were just so different personality wise, upbringing wise. We had a lot mm -hmm. of just clash and that clash uh, seeped into the business. Mm 
Mm. Um, but I would say a couple things. Um, those same types of clashes, when my wife left the business, I still had to deal with those types of clashes with other people. Yep. In the yep. So those conflicts aren't always absent, although sometimes untangling it can make it a little easier. Yeah. Um, it doesn't <clears throat> get rid of them altogether. So those are that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing I would say is um, um, I think there is a maturity and a personality differences that there's there are scenarios that others have had. This wasn't my experience that um, they have worked together and it, and it worked a lot better for them mm -hmm. just um, because the factors kind of aligned better. I think mm -hmm. me and my wife could work better now. I mean, we've been married for, for uh, 17 years and wow. we've kind of you know, work through a lot of things and, and we're different people. And so it'd be a different story for us yeah. working together now than it, than it was then. And mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, I've learned things from her that have made me better. And she's learned things from me that, so together we've shared things that not, that both of us were missing things and we mm -hmm. added to each other. And so mm -hmm. that makes us both stronger. Um, but for my other, the other aspect I would say is a lot of the, um, you know, clients I work with now, even in the past, um, it's, it's, fairly common that this the the a married couple is leading the is, is the founder couple mm. you know they are leading the company and so a lot of times my consulting and coaching often veers into marriage counseling and i i get that opportunity to help them in ways that um hey this is my experience and how i've uh you know how we navigated that troubles i faced and and helping both of them um to speak what they need to speak so that the other person hears it and that they're, you know, both being heard. And then that, that by being heard, then we can find a pathway forward. And, um, and sometimes, you know, what we often, we often dismiss each other. I, th I think this is one of the challenge, challenges with just working with family is we can often dismiss a family member maybe more easily than we might if it was an employee or a colleague. And so that's a, a dynamic that can cause issues. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> the main theme also is maturity. Um, yeah. I mean, you started your relationship quite young. Even up to this day, you look quite young, you know? Like, you, yeah, without so, your birth, you could look maybe 18. Yeah. Uh, same, oh, same yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, my, on my part here. Yeah. But, so yeah. I was 84. So um, um, I'll be 38 this year. And, uh, but yeah, I definitely do look young for my age and, and, uh, and so like that's, an amazing that's, thing. That, that it'll work out to my advantage, but yeah. even, even not looking young, I did get married early. I mean, it was 20, um, yeah. when I got married. So sure. Yeah. Like I'm 28 and, uh, I mean, I've been engaged with her for quite a while, but only next year we're going to do the, the official thing. And yeah, maturity is a, is an interesting team. Uh, just like you, I also, um, so the business, the the sacred union, and uh, the traveling. I, I yeah. also did it, but the traveling was more extreme because we mm. did the digital nomad life and okay, wow. yeah, no no foot on the ground for a good uh, three years every month, yeah. new country and so forth. Um, even when we would stay in Mexico during the pandemic, you know, constantly changing states just because it's it's cool. Um, but yeah, maturity is definitely a, a part of it, you know, communication skills um, on both uh, sides, you know, how you learn to communicate your emotions, especially as a man, it's tough, um, especially as an introvert and someone that is radically independent like myself, you know, I've, I've, I've solved my own things for God knows how long, you know, um, yeah. and yeah, use um, my wife as a supporter and someone that can, um, you know, listen to me has, has been a 
a good tip. But yeah, maturity is definitely an element here. And I really love the, the points you mentioned about uh, the boss level, the highest. I mean, back in the days, I, I'm, I was like a hardcore gamer too, like a top level of uh, World of Warcraft uh, Hunter and my server in PvP and yeah. a top Call of Duty player as well. And basically, yeah, like throwing myself against the best has always been a principle of mine. Nowadays, I play chess and I, I do these games, but um, my question is the following, you know, like, yes, uh, back in these days, I've thrown myself um, with the, the three levels, three layers of difficulties with, with these uh, three things, uh, tra travel, sacred union, and, and starting a, a business. Um, would I recommend it to do it again? How hard was it? It was quite hard. And I, I feel that I, um, even now to, to this day, I'm still solving part of uh, these these problems that started seven years ago of like magnifying these three things together, but I love the thrill of it. And I feel like it's, it's essential to the growth that I want to reach with the moonshots that I have. So what is the equilibrium um, between uh, setting overly ambitious goals and setting up yourself in critical environments to grow and the, the fine line between burning out? Like nowadays, I feel that I'm not challenging myself enough what um so the, the first question is what is the fine line and the second is how can one uh like you and i for example challenge yourselves to an even greater level of growth now you have children's um i have some kind of stability right now how can we challenge ourselves up to a higher level once we read that that's kind that kind of plateau yeah yeah so two things come to mind the first is um alignment and the second is uh rest and release the Sabbath. And so um, I'll start with the, uh, the the second one there. Um, you know, I got to a point in the chaos where I was of my business where I was working every day and all the time. Right. And as a business owner, it's just a really easy thing to do. And so um, the, the, the problem with that is it, it, one, it will burn everyone out um no yeah. matter what elon musk might uh, try to get around um well he sucks at <laughs> relationships so like yeah yeah so there's a cost so um but there's a cost to yourself and to others and whatnot and that kind of ties into the alignment but but before i jump into there um so what i i had a friend you know i was just in that chaos and i had a i somehow asked a friend something and he said um have you stopped uh taking a sabbath and so as a Christian, you know, once a week we take a Sabbath where we take a day off from work and okay. and we spend time with with God and family. Um, but the the principle there is is that you're taking a break from the rest of your life. It's it's a bit of a kind of a safe haven from your work. And so um, I wasn't I lost that part of my life, and so I started to I took my life back by taking uh, taking that Sabbath back. And by doing that, what it did is it created a kind of think of like Gandalf in the mines of Moria. He puts the staff down and says, you shall not pass to the Balrog, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what the, what it is. And what it, it what it is, is it's, um, it, it's, it's multifaceted, but practically, uh, what it does is it creates a dynamic that I'm, when I'm working every day and all the time, I am mentally, it mentally, enables procrastination mm. and it diminishes motivation so if i so if i have to do this thing today and i'm thinking well i'm going to be working after dinner so i'll do it then right and then i get to after dinner and i'm just like i'm i'm like i don't want to work on that because i don't have any energy and 
So maybe I work on something else. So it kind of keeps kicking the can down True. the road mentally. So having like a, a break, like having a time, and this is one of the things when I became a freelancer, I, I defined how many hours I wanted to work each week. And so for me, it was, and I wanted to do it during the work week. So Monday through Friday, um, you know, I think it was like a 45 hour window that I was going to work. And um, so at the end of the day, I'm done. And you know, on the weekends, I don't work. And that creates these barriers to rest, to recover from the burnout uh, or not to get burned out because I'm resting along the way. Because burnout is usually not resting along the way for a long enough period where the rest essentially, it's like a, a repo man collecting a car that you haven't paid payments on. You know, uh, when, when you haven't rested, um, you know, burnout comes for you and you don't have a choice. It's just, you, you're, we end up getting depressed and unmotivated and so on and so forth. So, that's um, taking, uh, taking those breaks is huge. And what that also does is it forces constraints and constraints are our best friends for creating focus and motivation. I'll give you an example. So um, I might have too much work to do in a particular week. So I have, so I, but I have constraints. So I have to get what I need to get done in those constraints. So now it forces me to think, all right, if I only have this much time to do this week, let's say I've got uh, 40 hours to work on things, but I have 50 hours of things to do. I have to look at those things and go, which are most important? So it forces a prioritization. So now I'm going, well, what is the most important? So I'll do those first and then I'll work on the other stuff. And that way, whatever doesn't get done is, is not a high priority thing that got missed. And so it creates clarity and focus and drives motivation. And then all of that kind of ties into the alignment piece, which is um, we humans have a way of compartmentalizing things. Um, but what and, and there's a lot of talk about this idea of like work-life balance and things like that. I actually like the idea of work-life unity um, where our work is actually in alignment with our aim. So my, when I think about my freelancing, it's a vehicle, it's a car that I'm driving towards a destination. So what's the best, I need to have clarity on the destination and freelancing needs to be taking me there. And, um, and most, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily have clarity on that destination for what their work is supposed to accomplish or what their business is supposed to accomplish. And so getting that clarity is helpful. Now, how does that work practically? So I'll give you an example um, in terms of aligning all the various variables that are playing out. So for me, when I, when I shut down the company, that was one of the decisions I made that realized that. Um, this wasn't the path I wanted to take, but the path I wanted to take wasn't something I could just do to do that day. I had to provide for my wife and my kids. I had five, I have five kids and, and I'm married. And so we have financial obligations and things we have to take care of. And I can't just neglect them and pursue my goals, right? So the alignment is about how do I pursue my goals and take care of my responsibility? And that forces a plan that addresses both. If I were to pursue my self-interest at the neglect of my wife or at the neglect of my kids, then my then I'm um, I'm not actually generating anything good at all because I'm generating something for myself at their cost. Mm -hmm. But if I can pursue something that benefits them and doesn't neglect them, then I've come up with an alignment. And so my work needs to align with those goals and my responsibilities and duty and so forth, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Makes sense. <clears throat> I'm also wondering um, on the flip side of things when people get comfortable. Um, me, as, especially as a man, you know, I feel the need uh, to provide and it's not uh, in the responsibility sense of things. It's just that I feel fulfilled when I yeah. bring stuff back to the house, whether it's food or water. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, just like men were, you know, hunters and 
Um, yeah. They alphas, you know, like they they bring back yeah. the meats uh, back to the tribe. Um, what is the equilibrium between staying in one's comfort zone and too much suffering? For example, Jesus carried the cross. Uh, he walked out and gave speeches on a daily basis. Um, back in the days, the conditions were especially harsh, you know. We didn't yeah. have much technology, walk in the dark uh, with predators, um, sleeping outside in the cold night, for example. And yeah, the constant threat of the authority speaking in front of many and attracted unwanted, unwanted attention. Jesus got out of his comfort zone quite a lot. Um, and he seemed to be very happy um, uh, yeah. as a result. So what is... Uh, if someone is out of his, uh, is inside his comfort zone and doesn't feel truly happy and, and fulfilled, uh, how can they push themselves out of that comfort zone without burning out? Yeah, yeah. So a few things come to mind. Uh, well, one is funny. Uh, when Jesus goes into the desert where he's tempted, um, it t there is a comment there about he goes into the wilderness uh, with the wild beasts. Um, so this is kind of interesting uh, overlay there. Um, you know, when I became a freelancer, after I shut down the company and became a freelancer and I had these responsibilities, um, there was a lot of motivation to survive, right? Like, Hey, I've got to figure this out because there are people that are relying on me. So that kind of gets to your point about that. And purpose. how much is that a false construct surviving? Yes. Thriving. Cause even up to this day, even you and I must have some thoughts sometimes of, am I just surviving? Oh, there's this recession. Um, I think sometimes it's stories we invent ourselves, the anxiety demon in our head kind of tries to keep us at bay from being happy, you know, how much is the reality vs how much is the story? Yeah, so, so I think, um, well, let me, let me tell a story and that might uh, give some clarity here. So I had a friend who, um, he was kind of maybe in that bucket, and he was very successful financially, and he lived very frugally. So he could, um, um, he had a lot of financial margin and we were talking one day and he was anxious just on the financial side of things, which I think was a, was just a, some kind of a surface level story. But what I asked him is I said, if you were to stop working and you didn't change your lifestyle at all, but you just, um, you just lift off of whatever you've accumulated to this date, you know, how long could you live before you starved, started, you know, needing money again. Right. And he said 10 years, <laughs> right. So 10 years, no changes. But and so in years. my mind, I'm thinking, wow, like I would love to have two years or one year, you know, or three months. Ten years is just too much. It's like 10 years, so, man. Ten years, yeah. So that's a lot of anxiety to, to accommodate. Now, if you understand his story, it makes more sense. Um, he had a situation where he had a lot and, and he lost it all. So okay. 10 years wasn't enough because he lost So it's trauma. It's definitely trauma in that case. It's so that's, that's a dynamic for sure, the trauma. And, um, and you know, I think uh, there's a real sense of like, well, I need to provide for what's in front of me. Yeah. You know, we got to eat today. We got to live in our house. We got to pay for our mortgage. And so there's sort of a month to month type of anxiety. Then there's like a year to year anxiety. You also have to, you know, are we saving for retirement or, you know, thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. So those dynamics definitely play a role. I think there's two, there's definitely two tensions that I felt as a freelancer. One was when I first started freelancing, I got to survive because the bear's chasing us and that we have these real uh, obligations in front of us. And, but as I got more success, as I got traction as a freelancer and I was able to create a steady uh, stream of income, I was able to 
um, build a financial uh, res reservoir to, to cushion myself from the ups and downs. Now all of a sudden that tension, that, that motivation to survive kind of dissipates because I've essentially mm -hmm. created a wall around the fortress, right? And so now the bears can't get in, um, at least uh, um, not easily. So now I'm, and this is kind of more where I am now, is how do I create a motivation? How do I foster motivation to, um, to motivate myself when that survival instinct is gone? I have, to, I have to facilitate that. So I'll give you a couple examples of how I've done that. When I wrote my first book, Path of the Freelancer, um, I got a group of freelancers together and I said, hey, I, I want to write this book. Um, you are all freelancers, so you benefit from the content. So why don't we get together once a month for a year? And I'll go through each chapter every time we get together once a month. And that'll help me hold me accountable to finish writing the book. And then you can give your feedback. So it helps me make it better. And you learn some things along the way. So that was one thing. Um, for the second book, The Jump, I was having a hard time finishing it. So I ended up doing a weekday blogging challenge with some other friends. And that I used those blogging posts to help me finish the last sections I hadn't done yet. And so there's something about community and accountability and um, also having a shared project together to help finish some of those things. So you when you look at someone who runs a marathon, the end of the marathon is a bunch of people cheering and celebrating them on, right? And I think um, when it would, in terms of finishing well, I'll, I'll just say that as much as we might wanna be independent, we are dependent creatures as humans. And so we need other people and we can't finish well without other people. Yeah. Does that make sense? We're very social creatures um, still up to this day. Got me wondering while listening to you, if most billionaires are motivated by fear um, and greed could be a, a synonym. Also, greed is very much like, hey, um, all for me and none for you just because I, I want to survive. And how cool can it be to be a, a billionaire and not be motivated by fear? I think Elon is that type of billionaire that he doesn't give a crap about money. And I think that this would be the path that I would recommend um, if for your friend that had the 10 years of runway. Dude, why don't you not, not burn all this cash, you know, but make it inaccessible from one day to the next and truly face your fears, which are being penniless. Um, or if you're, you're being a, a silly example, okay, I've got two in my personal life. One was um, going to Vegas for a bachelor's party. I was kind of scared by that. And although the experience was not that uh, interested, I faced my fear. Another yeah. very silly one, um, this weekend, my wife got me back on a nap called Bumble, not to make a, a second wife, but to make friends. Um, yeah. There's a, a friends option on Bumble and I felt very uncomfortable just going back there and swiping people and putting yeah. myself out there on the friends market, <laughs> which yeah, is a, yeah. an interesting um, experiment here. And I, I love it because I put myself out there and I was having trauma discussions with my wife this weekend. And I wrote something on my Twitter the other day, which is that you can't be traumatized twice, you know? Um, so basically I, I'm going on, on this app called Bumble and even up to this day, well, today I feel less scared just thinking about Bumble and reaching out to friends. I think once your brain faces um, a negative stimulus and you let it sleep and you let time pass, he understands that it's not life or death. And also putting myself in these situations continuously diminishes the fear. Uh, so would you encourage people to face most of their fears to live a, a more happier life? Yes. Um, so I do. In a controlled I've, environment, that is. 
ideally it would be in a controlled environment, although we eventually get to a place where that control environment, um, we, we leave that. And, yeah. and in fact, when I think about my marketing company, I think of it that way. Like this was an opportunity for me to face fears and, um, and issues in a controlled environment because I learned a lot of lessons that I've also seen people learn in a public uh, large scale situation. Yeah. Um, that I'm like, okay, I'm glad I learned that at a small level. You know, I, I don't want to have to learn that in a giant space. And the book, I'm, I'm working on my third book, which kind of is essentially around that idea of facing um, ourselves, facing our fears. I, I, I would say it's uh, facing our fears is part of that, but I would actually say that there's more to it than just facing um, our fears. Um, and so this idea of who's really in the mirror. And I think... Um, I, I think a lot of the, the times we, we are, uh, we, we see ourselves in some ways, we see ourselves worse than we really are. In other ways, we see ourselves as better. And so the idea is what is, who are we really? And who are we really? Like when I moved here from, from Arizona, there were a lot of aspects of myself that came out because of the crises and the chaos and the trouble that like, okay, that was scary. Um, you know, a monster, a monster came out of, the, came out of me, but it was me. It wasn't something else. It was me. Yeah. And so if you've never been in those types of crunches, um, it's hard to know who you really are because you haven't been in a situation that you've been pushed to, to kind of the, the deepest parts of you to come out. 100%. And so but facing our fears head on is, um, I would I would encourage it, but at the same time, I question how much we can truly do that in the sense that um, there has to be something greater on the other side of that. So I can't just pursue my you know face my fears for its own sake. I can't just suffer because I want to suffer. Right. Yeah. There has to be something greater. And I think in your case with the, with the Bumble, I think there's something there that you were chasing or pursuing or wanting um, to gain, not just something to run away from, but um, also something to gain on the other side of that. So I think we have to have whatever it is that's going to pull us through the fear. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, lots. Um, the Bumble, I think it's uh, everything that's synonym with my past life, same for Vegas, which was at one point, uh, you know, being the, the best alcoholic there was, at another was the best Tinder hunter. There was, you know, like all of these uh, things resurface and my new life is like, hey, I've gone such a long way. I'm such a better person now and so much happier than before. And I don't want to come back to that life. I think th these are... Um, the fears and I need to, I mean, yeah, that, that angel or demon, depending on how you view it, uh, needs to kind of has a point, you know, that needs to be listened to somewhat, but um, I need to face as much fears as possible so I can practice that muscle. And when it comes uh, to, you know, just knowing that I can face any fear and not fear anything or not having these little uh, bad habits of hey do not go there because uh, this is scary um i want to eliminate fear as much as possible except uh, i mean fighting a, a lion or a tiger which is <laughs> yeah, yeah. on my bucket list 
I might not survive that one, but um, yeah, I think as much uh, as I can work out the, the muscle, I will do. Uh, we've got uh, two minutes left in the interview, yeah, so yeah. I want to make sure we make the, the best time here. Um, what uh, tip would you have for entrepreneurs that are starting uh, their ventures? Then I want you to do the same exercise for starting a relationship. And then I want you to do the same exercise with uh, starting a family. So three questions in one. Yeah, so I would boil, probably the answer would be similar with just different application, which would be um, getting clarity on intentions. Okay. And I have this idea of this concept called the formula for intentionality. Yeah. And what it is, is it's... Um, uh, purpose, which is our why, why are we doing it? Mission, which is our how, how are we going to go about it? And then values, guidelines, within what guidelines are we going to follow as we're pursuing this? And then those are the, the ingredients of the formula. And then if you put them all together, they equal the vision, which is the destination. So mission plus purpose plus values equals vision. And so principally what I would say for, uh, for, for, for your for yourself as a person is to answer those four things. Um, and then to answer them for your marriage, uh, for your, um, and for your, pro for your business project, it could even be for a, like, here's a book project I'm doing or a podcast I'm running, having clarity on intentions. And so then you have clarity of intentionality, then you need accountability. So you have to tell people about it. You have to tell um, the people involved, like, this is our, this is what we're intending to do. But reality doesn't always match, match our intentions. So we have to have accountability to hold ourselves accountable um, to those intentions so that we make those intentions real. And, um, and, and we need others to, to do that. So is that, uh, is that a good enough answer for you? That's a very good answer. And just a last side note here, uh, this may take a while to be clear. And this yeah. needs to be constantly updated. So have a draft, uh, a mm -hmm. semi-clean draft, but also revisit it um, as much as you can because that might change. Um, so we've got less than a minute left. I just want to take that time uh, for you to tell people where they can find you, Jason. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go to jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Um, I blog. I got a podcast. Uh, my book links to my books are on there, which are available on Amazon, either physical or, or digital um, Kindle edition. Um, you can read various uh, content that I've got uh, going on there. And, um, and I'm also on social media and you can find those links uh, on jasonscottmontoya.com as well. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. Have a good All right, day. Thanks, Charles. Bye.